Good morning. It's good to be with you live this week. I was on video last week, but it's good to be here in person. Uh, I was at uh, the church that we came out of in Fort Worth, Texas. My mentor uh, of a lot of years, he was announcing that he is transitioning out of the senior pastorate over the next year, and so that was a big thing, and I'm on, I'm on the board, and they wanted me there, so there, there you go, I was there. Um, atmosphere makes a huge difference in our lives, and, and really on a large scale in the environment of the earth, and you know, climate change is a hot topic today. Uh, we know how crucial the chemical balance in the Earth's atmosphere is for our health and well-being, and so that's important. We talk about it. You can find a wide range of attitudes on social media. Um, here's one. If we need the Earth to survive, but we're destroying it, are we committing suicide? That, that's meant to shock you into action, get you moving. On the other end, here's a meme that kind of folks fun at environmentalists. How, how many environmentalists does it take to change a light bulb? Wait, are we absolutely certain that a light bulb needs to be changed? <laughs> you know, there, there's, you see this kind of stuff in your, your news feed on social media. Um, honestly, if I'm an environmentalist, that, that kind of concerns me. I mean, I'm a little mad at that last one. But, you know, they're just saying, hey, chill out. It'll be okay. It goes without saying, really, that on a large scale, the environment impacts our health and well-being. Um, so we pay attention to it. The atmosphere really matters. It, it's our stewardship as people. God gave us this earth. He, put, he, he made it. He put us in it to watch over it and to manage it well. But this atmosphere... The importance of it is also true for families, for workplaces, our cities, and to zero in on our topic for today, our churches. If if you can find a church, which is what we're talking about, we're talking about the atmosphere in our church that we'd like to create. If you can find a church with a great atmosphere, you've found a beautiful thing. And it, it blesses you and helps you. It contributes to your spiritual, emotional, and even physical health. That's what studies have shown. The, the church's importance in our lives is overlooked often in, in our world today. Um, but a healthy church adds a great deal of meaning and purpose, along with many other benefits. Uh, being, being a part of a church with a great atmosphere is the way to thrive. That's what the Lord said in the Word. Last week we looked at, we were looking at this part of the frame. We're, we're digging into our DNA as a church. So if you're new here, you'll be able to learn kind of what motivates us, what gets us moving as a church, the way we're wired. The message series is called DNA uh, because like people, God wires churches together differently. He gives different leaders and different members and he, he builds strengths into the congregation. So we're spending the time over these next five weeks 
looking at how God has wired us together as a church body. And last week I talked about mission. Uh, Jesus didn't want us to miss the mission that he has for the church, for us as individuals as well. So last week we saw how Jesus taught that all people are highly valued to God and He told three stories in Luke 15 to sort of underline the value, to highlight the value of people. He talked about there there were stories about uh, a lost sheep, one in a hundred, a lost coin, one in ten, woman's entire savings, ten coins, and uh, she lost one of them. She turned the house upside down looking for it. And then a lost son, which the story is known as the prodigal son. Jesus didn't want us to miss the point in these stories. And so he said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost he's referring to here are people disconnected from a relationship with God who are trying to live life without his help and guidance. That's the definition of lost in that passage. God loves people he's made so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to make a way for us to reconnect with God. That's that's what he was doing in, in coming to earth. And so because we follow Jesus, his mission is our mission. And we've stated our mission this way, and we're on this side of the frame right now. Um, we stated our mission this way. We exist as a church to invite our neighbors to discover Christ through his life-changing community. That's, that's sort of a, that's the way God does his work through us uniquely as a congregation. Um, today, I'm going to focus on this side of the frame, our values. Um, Our values basically create the atmosphere around here. They're what you breathe and feel when you get around us. So this week we're looking at the five values that create the atmosphere, the air we breathe here in our church community of Church in the Valley. What's important to us, our values as a church... They flow from the heart of God, and you can discover what's on his heart. You can find these values in the Bible. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at our five values, and then we're going to see where they are found in the Bible, how we came up with these things that really matter to God and therefore matter to us. Value number one, people really matter. This creates our atmosphere here. Everything flows from there. Everything Jesus said and did highlighted the value of people. Even just stepping out of heaven into the earth, it it showed how much God loves us and cares for us. What he said and what he did, it, it highlights, it raised the value of people. In the world. At one point, Jesus was asked, which commandment is the greatest? Out of all the commandments in the 
the Bible. Um, he was asked this by a lawyer, and the this group that this lawyer was a part of, they not only took the commandments in the scripture, they added 613 to it. So they were really into commandments. <laughs> they were very focused on all of that. And so uh, he was asked, which one's the greatest? And he said, the number one commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he added the second for good measure, to love your neighbor as yourself. The people that God made are very, very important. They're high on his list of priority, and so they're high on uh, our list of priority. If we're following him, our mission is to invite our neighbors to join with us to discover Christ, and we do our mission out of a love for God because discovering Christ is the best thing that can happen to somebody. It's, it's the best thing. First John says that we love others because God first loved us. And what happens when you decide to follow Christ is if you continue to walk with him and learn from him and let him guide your life, he, he turns your heart inside out to consider others. And that makes a tremendous difference in our lives. So... That's the second commandment. If we can live the second greatest commandment as a church community, we will thrive. And we will help everyone who joins in to thrive as well. This is what we're all about. The L.A. Basin, it's a huge metropolis. Um, It makes it easy to feel small and insignificant among the 18.7 million people in the L.A. Basin. (laughs) It's huge. Um, God has put us in our city, though, for a reason. He's put us in, in this neighborhood, in this city, for a purpose. God's put us here to show people how valuable they are to God. He He loves them. And we do this as, as people join in, as we're connecting with people out in our neighborhoods, at work, in our families. As we're connecting with them, we, we show how valuable they are. And as a, as a group, as a church, as people come around, we show how valuable they are by treating them with dignity, love, and respect. This is what God wants. Here's a beautifully written psalm that reveals the value of people to God. Psalm 8, 3 through 5. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than uh, the heavenly beings and crowned him. With glory and honor. It's an amazing place that God has put us in all of creation. He made the entire world, everything in it, and He gave people a high ranking in their value. And so, in, in line with this, people really matter. We, we, we want to love the people with the love God's given us. Every person on earth is of high value to God. 
And if we treat them with the dignity and the value that he's given them, we create the atmosphere where everyone here thrives and those who join in do as well. It's, it's really easy to get lost in the 18.7 million people who live in this region. However, if we love and show consideration to the people that God brings our way, and we invite our neighbors to join in with us, we have an atmosphere that breathes life into others. And we become a community that really encourages and strengthens and help, helps people as they walk through life. I grew up near downtown L.A., uh, about eight and a half miles from downtown. And as far back as I can remember... People have wanted to leave this massive area. They, I mean, I, you know, it, it was when I was growing up in junior high, uh, I would hear that people were thinking about moving to Colorado. Maybe they still do want to move to Colorado. That's a beautiful area. It went to Idaho. It's gone to different, it moves around, but people want to get out of here. They just want to be free from the congestion of the massive city and move to a small rural town. And I think this is because God made us with a deep need for community. A place where we know others and they know us. I, I admit I listen to country. I, you know... Growing up, I would never admit that. I was a rock person. But I listen to country, and there are a lot of country songs about small towns where everybody knows everybody. Well, I'm not quite sure. That has its downside as well. (laughs) You can be found out in a small town. It spreads like wildfire. But anyway, that's beside the point. I got off track. Um, that's because these songs have this in there, the words, the lyrics, because we have this need to be connected with people beyond our nuclear family. We have a need to be connected to a community of people. I did a message series a few years back called Hometowns. Here's the image we used. The first message was called Longing for a hometown, and in that message, I walk through the way that God made us with this deep need to be connected to others in meaningful community with them. In the artwork, what you see is uh, a quaint small town right in the middle of a big city. My point in this series was we can be that's that community to the people who become a part of us. We can be that. We can meet that need. Even in the middle of the massive city, the 18.7 million people, we can be that if we treat one another like they really matter because they do. People matter to God. People really matter to God. People matter to us. This is what Jesus was trying to communicate, that that people are loved by God and can be accepted by Him. 
So we won't have the quaint buildings in the small towns, uh, but we will be a relational community where everyone can belong, where people can join in. We can be a church community with a small town fill. And this is important because people have that need to be known, to be cared for by others, to know others, and to care for them. This is the way God's wired us together as people. So we can't know everybody in the L.A. region, uh, but we aim to be a relational community where people can belong. This is why community groups are so important. We can't even know everybody in this this church um, of about 200 people. We can't we can't really know and be involved in the lives of everyone uh, that we know here. But community groups are places where you can get to be known, you can know others, you can get involved in lives, and they're very important for our spiritual growth. Sign-ups are going to begin at the end of August, and we're going to roll those out. I think you'll find those very helpful as you move along. So that's value number one. People really matter, and we hope you feel it around here. We hope you, it, it's the atmosphere we breathe. Um, value number two is guided by scripture, which reveals the source of our values. God will always lead his people, the church, in a way that lines up with his word, the Bible. This, this is what he does. Um, the Bible is the foundation that we use for church life and ministry. It's, it's, it's the bedrock. And it provides the framework for that healthy atmosphere that we're talking about. In it, God's given clear guidelines for the relational community he's building among us. And if we want to thrive, we follow them. We, we do them. That's where the blessing, you get into scripture and you find out the blessing comes in doing what scripture says. This is, this is important. At one point in the history of Israel, God gave instructions to Joshua. He was taking over from Moses, an epic leader at the time. And God gave him instruction as to how he was to lead. And this is what he said. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We're, if we're careful to do according to all that is written in the scriptures and admit it when we don't, then we find God's blessing. It says here that you will make your way prosperous. This was originally written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for prosperous is a word that means a successful venture as opposed to a failed venture. If you and I dig in to God's word and we carefully do what it says related to our marriage, our parenting, our work, our schooling, our friendships, our finances, honestly, every area of our lives, there are principles in the scripture that we can build on. 
If we get into it, understand the truth that's there, live out the principles, do those principles in our lives, we prosper. Over time, we have a life that is successful by God's definition. So this is true for church life as well. So we use the Bible as our owner's manual for how to set up the framework of church body, how to live it out. And we aim to align with that, with the Bible. We don't expect the, the Bible and the truth in it to bend to us, but we're, we're shaping ourselves to fit with it. Another promise in this verse is that you will have good success. In Hebrew, the word translated success means literally to be prudent. If you're prudent, then you take the wisest path toward the right goals in different situations. So you know the right goals. You're out of all the goals, you know, you're in you're in a relationship with someone, you're you're in the family, you're in a work circumstance situation. And there there are a lot of goals you could choose as you respond to what's going on around you. A prudent person chooses the right goal that will lead them toward the right outcome. That's what it means to be prudent. So what what you find here is that in the scripture, as you dig in, you discover what God values, what he thinks is most important in any situation. And if you align yourself with that, you find his blessing. You, you get his help. And, and we try to do that as a church. Psalm 1-3 says it this way. And talking about a person who soaks up his word. They don't. This person, it says in verses uh, 1 and 2, it says they don't listen to the counsel in the world at large, but they soak up the word of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. So as a church, we're guided by scripture. We aim to stay aligned with God's word, which becomes a blessing for the church community and everybody who takes part in it. This brings us to value number three, acting with integrity. And that's what makes us real. We want to be real. We don't want to be fake. As a church, we aim to be real and deal with what's really going on. We want to be honest about where we're at, not pretending that we've got it all together because we don't. That's not hard to figure out, is it? Just hang around me for a while. You'll, you'll get that figured out. Nobody and no organization has it all together. So we don't pretend that we have it all together. Uh, if something goes wrong, we want to admit it. And we want to take responsibility for it. And we want to respond the right way that God directs in that circumstance. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Integrity guides us to take the right course of action because we're dealing with reality. Dealing with reality as you wind yourself out of problems 
and as you deal with life is really important. Here's a meme that cracks me up. If I don't, if I, he says, I don't deny reality. I just have my own personal version of it where I can do whatever I want. Interesting. And God gives us the freedom to do whatever we want. He gives us the freedom to make up our own reality. But if we make up our own reality, we pay a larger price as we walk through life than we do if we get in line with his reality. Because he is the one who made life to work the way it does. He made us, he made the people that exist, and he wired in the truths and the principles that life is built on. So as a church, we aim to present an honest picture of who we are, the challenges we're facing, the problems, the mistakes we make. We don't pretend we're perfect, that problems don't exist, because we're not, and problems do exist. But the God we serve lives in us, and he will guide us and help us to wind our way out of the struggles in spite of our mistakes. And it's the love of God that gives us the courage to face the demands of reality, to face reality, because he, he is gracious to us. He's forgiving. Scripture says, if you turn from going your own way and give your life to Christ, you're forgiven. After that, if you continue to, if you confess your sin, if you admit you're wrong, then you're forgiven. That's dealing with reality. That's what Jesus shows us to do. And so that's what we want to do. In spite of our mess up, it's the grace of God that gives us the, the help we need to live life in a way that pleases him. This brings us to value number four, mission over tradition, which keeps us relevant. There's a really interesting passage in the New Testament, in the Bible, uh, that God put in Scripture. You know, sometimes you read through the Scripture and you think, oh, I wonder why that's there. Well, if you think about it, you figure out why this passage is, is in there. Because what's going on in the passage is... Paul, one of the major leaders in church life, is correcting Cephas, which was a nickname for Peter, which Cephas means rock. It's a nickname that Jesus gave him. But you you have this passage of scripture where Paul is correcting Cephas or Peter. And we gain we gain a lot of insight from it. These are two major leaders in the early church. And they're both from a Jewish background. They've grown up with the many traditions associated with Judaism, uh, along with a very strict diet to follow. And I think my impression as you read the New Testament is that Paul had a lot easier time leaving the diet restrictions than Peter did. <laughs> because... Um, what, what you see here, okay, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to read the passage to you. What happens in this passage is Paul challenges Cephas, or Peter, to live out the freedom Jesus has given us. Here's what he says. 
in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. That's pretty serious. Straightforward, straight shooter here, this Paul. <laughs> he was. For certain, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So he was being a hypocrite. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Barnabas was an incredibly encouraging, welcoming person. So even Barnabas is led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, um, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So in other words, Paul's saying, look, you're being two-faced here. Before the Jews from Jerusalem, James, they came from James. James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. Before they show up, you're willing to eat and enjoy a meal with the Gentiles and eat the foods that are outside the boundaries of our Jewish traditions. But when the the Jewish guys show up, who are a part of the circumcision party, in other words, they were really focused on the law, you shrink back, you pull back, you pull away from the Gentiles. God had declared in a dramatic way to Peter that all foods are clean. In fact, he gave him a vivid vision about this. Um, He gave this vision to Peter so that he would pass it along as the standard for the church. But Peter was falling back on tradition. I understand this. I'm, I'm a I'm a wimp at trying foods that are outside of my strike zone. Okay, I admit it. I admit it <laughs> readily. I mean, I go to a foreign country and I'm like, I'm staying in my zone as much as possible unless I'm going to offend somebody by eating, by not eating what they're serving me. But what, what's happening here is Peter's falling back on tradition and not focused on the mission. That's why we say mission over tradition. He's he's the traditions are alienating and confusing the non-Jewish people in the church. So it's it's important that it's so important to Paul that he's willing to call him out on the carpet in front of everybody. So that's what happens. God wants all people to discover Christ and be blessed in a relationship with him and often our traditions confuse and alienate so that those who aren't yet following Christ don't can't figure out what is this about what in the world is that and this is why we aim to put mission over tradition even the traditions we really love The reason we do that is to better fulfill the mission that God's given us. In churches, it only takes a matter of weeks to establish a tradition. You do something on Sundays for three weeks, it's tradition. That's the way we do things. That's the way it is. And there's this danger of ritual wired into, you know, stuff we do. Um, 
This is actually how sacred cows are born. I have a friend who says sacred cows make good hamburger. And this is something that church leaders deal with a lot. Um, There's a book you can get on Amazon that talks about this. Sacred cows make great barbecue. Because, and, and the idea is traditions that we do, things we do in church life that lose their meaning and we don't know why we're doing them have no value. So that's why we put mission over tradition. As a church, we aim to be flexible for the mission. One church leader said, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. We want to be open-handed with our plans. Proverbs 16.9 says, The mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And so we're constantly evaluating our uh, methods to improve mission effectiveness and making the most of the opportunities that God gives us by adapting our mesh methods to accomplish biblical results. So that's the problem with Peter living by Jewish traditions. It was confusing the non-Jewish folks. They were like, what's going on here? What's happening? We want to be biblically driven but culturally relevant. So we, we put mission over tradition. Now we come to value number five, equipping for service. This helps, helps us play a significant role in the world. Here's God's instruction to church leaders, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The role of a church staff and other leaders in the church is to equip the members of the church for ministry so that they can play a significant role in the world. There are two ways that we should be equipping you for ministry. First, for your specific role in the church team. You may be on the hospitality team or the operations team or the leader of a team or a group leader or You may have a role or responsibility in a group or in some other way. But we're our our work is to help you do that well, to help you understand why it needs to be done, what it's all about, how it connects to the big picture of what we're trying to accomplish. That's our job. A second way we need to equip you is to contribute to the mission of the church, which is to invite our neighbors to discover Christ through his life changing community. We need to help you be equipped to share your faith. This is is the most significant thing you can do with your life in the world. Is to help someone else to discover Jesus Christ. Because when they discover him, he unlocks the treasure of the life that he wants us to live. That is a bless. So we're, we're offering a difference maker workshop. Uh, coming up in September on the 19th and 23rd during the week. One's a Thursday night, the 19th, and then the 23rd is a Monday night. But we're offering this. It builds on the insights in this book. And 
the the workshops designed to show you how to use your everyday life for eternal impact. That that's a that's a significant thing. If you can help people who are you know going toward eternity separated from God and you can help them to move into eternity connected to God where they're going to live with him forever and all the blessings that entails wow that that's that's awesome <laughs> i mean we have the opportunity so we want to equip you to do that um as you learn to explain your faith to others you yourself grow an understanding of it it, it, it's a really valuable thing. So that's a quick run through our values here. We want these values to saturate all that we do as a church community. And we want them to flow through our teams, our groups, our meetings, our events here on Sundays, everything we do. If we live out these values as a church... The atmosphere here will breathe life into everybody in it and all who join into it. This is our goal. We want to be a blessing. What a great opportunity to be a part of a relational community and to create a relational community where others thrive, where it's life-giving like this. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to find the connection card that you began to fill out earlier in the service and take the time to finish filling out as much as you're comfortable with. I'm going to share some next steps that you could take. Uh, God may have laid something else on your heart beside these, but here are my suggestions. My next step today is to aim to serve with these values in mind as a part of Church in the Valley. So if you're already serving... Keep these values in mind. This is the way this way we want to operate. We want to operate with the ideas that we've found here, the truths, the principles that we have talked about. And then another next step could be to treat people in the way I want to be treated because people really matter. If you haven't been serving and you'd like to serve, let us know on the connection card. We'd we'd love to plug you in and Get you connected that way. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that, that really does set us free. And I ask you, Lord, that you would help us to really value the things that are important to you. That you would help us to really focus on people and their importance in our lives and give ourselves to serving them and showing your love to them. I pray that God you would you would help us to navigate by your word that you'd give us the strength to act with integrity, the grace we need to do that. And I pray that you'd allow us to not not get into habits and traditions that don't make sense, but that you'd give us the, the value and uh, the ability to live out your mission and ad- adapt our methods accordingly. And also, God, I pray that you would you'd really help us to get equipped for, for serving you in the way that 
is significant in the world. We ask for your help in all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.